Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another special edition of Trade Runner, our mini-series featuring Rich Friesen that is focusing specifically on trading psychology. In episode one, we dove into a discussion on measuring what matters, learning about set scores and how to take stock of our own mental states and how that affects our trading. In episode two, we talked about identifying market moods and observing how our setups could perform in those different conditions. Uh, those episodes will be linked in the episode description. But for this month, our focus is on persistent trading mistakes. How to identify them, determine their positive intent, and ultimately positively change those behaviors to benefit our trading. But first, let's introduce special host Rich Friesen, creator of Mind Muscles Academy. How are you doing today, Rich? I'm doing just fine, uh, recovering from Thanksgiving with lots of relatives and the family and a lot of food. You know, when everyone <laughs> brings a different dish and says, do you like it? <laughs> <laughs> you got to try everything. Oh my gosh. It was so good. And, um, you know, and, and then there's the food hangover the next oh, couple God, of yeah. days. Did you gain a lot of weight or did you manage to? Yeah, uh, I'm kind of uh, past the top of my weight. So now it's time to get serious again. Oh boy. Luckily for me, like Thanksgiving food is not like my go-to. Like I've not, I've never been a big turkey fan, but I love stuffing and mashed potatoes. Oh boy, the ma it's all about the mashed potatoes. Oh, oh yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rich, you got any news you'd like to share with the listeners? Anything going on in your world? Oh, um, still, I'm. Oh, right now, I'm working on the audio version of the book, uh, "A Private Conversation with Money." And uh, I'm playing several characters in it. And so that's interesting uh, uh, to test my voice flexibility. <laughs> so I could have hired somebody, a lot of money. But I thought, you know, that would be a great experience to do it myself. So I'm almost done with that. So hope to have that up uh, on Amazon in a, uh, by the first of the year. Uh, what else? That's um, Well, before you move on from that, yeah. that's really exciting because there's been a few people in our Discord asking if there was an audio version available, and I think the preference was for you to read it. Ah, so okay. People are going to be excited to hear that. Oh, good. Well, thanks, Will. We'll, uh, I'll let you know when it's out. Excellent. Uh, you started to say something else before I cut you off there? Oh, uh, just working on next year where I want to go and what I want to do. Uh, obviously, my private clients are just a big reward for me mm. to work with people who say, my current behaviors are not working. Let's find out what's going on. And so when you have a client like that and they're willing to experience in real time while they're trading, experience the uh, behavior that doesn't serve them mm -hmm. to experience the underlying drivers 
and then to look at the positive intent, and then to step into a world where it actually feels better to change your behaviors. And uh, that's when, when somebody says, oh, that feels better, then we know we've made a change and we can build on it. Mm, that's yes. Uh, and working with somebody who's willing to engage is got to be really rewarding. I have because you can see the progress that they're making too, right? That's good for you and for them. Right. And the last time we, I think we talked about mind metrics and be able to see the uh, progress, just like to see the progress on your own mind, mind metrics. Mm-hmm. And that's very rewarding when you can bring it down to uh, very specific indicators uh, that add up to the whole and the whole is better performance. Mm-hmm. It also helps to take a wider view too, because you can have a bad day and that one bad day can cloud your judgment or your picture of what you think overall you're doing. But if you have data to go back and look at and see like, no, over the month, this is what I did. Well, that perspective is so important because mm. you're right. When traders have some losing trades in the row, the brain chemicals actually change. Mm-hmm. And when the brain chemicals change, they put you into a new context. And I've had that experience of spiraling down and it feels mm-hmm. so real at the moment. <laughs> yep. I mean, I've gotten to the point where I said, is life worth living? I mean, this is totally ridiculous, right? Right. But in that context of one bad thing reminding me of another bad thing, creating stories, uh, embellishing those stories in my mind, feeling them, <laughs> I, I, I can create a world that is totally out of proportion to the wonderfulness of my life. And that can happen with traders so easily. Yes. I think I experienced a little bit of that this week or today, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we, we dive into today's discussion too far, I do want to talk a little bit more about your book because I finally cracked it open and I read through, I think, the first eight chapters uh, today. And man, I am really, really enjoying it. I think you wrote a, a fantastic, not only is it like just interesting to, to look at the psychological aspects of your relationship with money, but it's a good story too. Oh, good. I'm, like, I'm, I'm glad you- I almost want to finish the read through so that way I can go back and then do the exercises because I want to find okay. out what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad it's engaging enough to do that. So wonderful. It is, but it also, uh, and this is kind of why I wanted to bring it up because it, it, it brought to my attention something that I've been doing in my life. And it happened with, I noticed it when Joe got the manila envelope giving him the mm-hmm. eviction notice and he spent all that time ignoring his problem. And I find myself doing that so often. I was actually yep. having a discussion with the wife, like little things even. It, it, it's yep. little or bad or big, like the cat box is full and I feel bad for the mm-hmm. cats, but I don't go empty it. Why not? And I yes. think it has to do with the fact that if I don't acknowledge it as a problem, then I don't have to feel guilty. Oh, yes. And I don't like that. <laughs> That's really interesting. In my own life, in the last, I'd say, mm-hmm. month, I have decided, and it, it was a decision, and it's no discipline needed, no willpower, to take care of little things. Like, for example, uh, I fixed my coffee this morning, looked out the window, and our empty garbage cans were outside where they were you know, taken out last night. Mm-hmm. So I just immediately went outside and put them away. And I used to would have just left him say, oh, when it's convenient, right. oh, when I'm getting out of the car anyway. 
but just like or a, or a door that st- was mm-hmm. sticking, just take care of it. And I tell you, I feel so much better. Yeah. I, I did the same thing with the cat box. Uh, when that, mm-hmm. that thing came to mind, like that specific example, I was like, well, I'll go do that now. That's something I can do and something I can control. And when we come to persistent trading mistakes, which is today's topic, what if we were to just to take care of them one after the other? Imagine how good that will feel. And we're going to talk today about a process for doing that what the drivers are, and give you, invite you to step into a world where you are an agent in your life rather than the persistent mistakes driving your behavior. Well, I think that sounds like an excellent primer. I'm ready to go. Okay. So I'm sure there's <laughs> <laughs> almost, okay, I was going to make a joke, but. Oh, you can. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't very funny. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> So do you repeat the same trading mistakes time and time again? I have never had a client come to me either in our groups or private workshops or a private client mm-hmm. who doesn't repeat, have a pattern of mistakes that they repeat over and over again. Mm-hmm. And you, after the trading day, you say, oh, shoot. <laughs> right. Oh, fudge. I will never, ever do that again. Then all of a sudden we get the trigger and we repeat the same mistake. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I have made a list of trading errors and I think it's pretty comprehensive and a new one hasn't come come up in a while. Okay. And some of these overlap. So impulse trading, missed trading, Mm -hmm. over trading, repeating the same errors, stress, fear of loss. Jumping from system to system, not disciplined, letting big losses run, feeling stuck, cutting our winners short, lack of confidence in the strategy and in yourself, ruled by emotion, afraid to lose money, afraid to pull the trigger, and self-sabotage. So as you look at that list and as the listeners look at that list, are there any repeated trading behaviors that you recognize? And Quite if a few. So, yeah. <laughs> and if so, if you could eliminate those repeated behaviors that don't serve you, what would happen to your PL? You Up know, and to from, the right. Yeah. Uh, you know that from your own mind metrics, uh, you're filling out the lucrative and the lousy trades. And um, briefly, lousy trades are trades that are outside of your system when your mindset isn't right, uh, mm-hmm. when you haven't done the preparatory work and so forth. And if you just look at it, and if I look at all my clients, if they just eliminated the lousy trades, the trades that are expressed in repeated behaviors that don't serve, they would be instantly profitable. Mm-hmm. So then I ask, you know, after we, I work with a client and we determine which of those are the real primary drivers of their losses, I ask, well, what would you like instead? So I have a list of those things that's come up. Enjoying the power of discipline, self-mastery, enjoying the challenge, cutting losses, letting profits run, trading with focus and flow, Mm. joyful while trading, Increasing size with comfort, 
consistently profitable, becoming a professional trader, free from financial worries, calm and relaxed, managing risk successfully, loving the challenge, the joy of discipline, executing my strategy consistently, financial freedom, self-confidence, real-time self-awareness, and persistence and resilience. So those are the things that come up. Mm -hmm. So the question then is, we know what doesn't serve us. We know the behaviors that don't work. We can measure them in our mind metrics application, and it's like a brick on the forehead. Those don't work. (laughs) And we know what we want. (laughs) So the question then is, what stops you? What stops you from moving from the behaviors you don't want to the behaviors you do want? I know you've tried discipline. You've tried willpower. Mm-hmm. You've tried self-judgments, beating yourself into better behavior. Right. And all the shoulds. So the question is, how effective are they? Do you have any thoughts so far? I would say uh, not effective. And actually, I think this was actually covered in your book a little bit, uh, the self-judgment aspect of it. Like mm-hmm. That's one that really kind of struck a note with me when he said, if I'm not critical of myself, then what's going to drive me to continue to improve? Yes. Oh, my gosh. If we're not critical of ourselves, what might happen? Right. And we'll talk about that in a bit. So bring it back up if I miss it. Oh, I will. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, I, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say uh, on the uh, the mistakes that I make, uh, the emotional aspect of it is definitely one that I would like to focus on. The okay. the revenge trading and mm-hmm. one of the ones that I have struggled with a lot is having a bias and not being able to shake that bias. Mm. Like I think that yes. everything says short, and then the short doesn't work, and I. No, when I look back at it, I was like, oh, no, it broke this high, the swing mm-hmm. high. Why would I still be looking for shorts now? The market condition has changed. But yet I can't let go of that in the moment. Indeed. So our brains are set up to be confident and know. What if we weren't to know? What if we didn't know? Mm. Oh, my gosh. Hmm. Okay. So, I'm, I, in fact, this is a new thought that's coming to me right now. Okay. We can have confidence in our future. We can have peace if we have the external environment and we know what's going on and we can control it. Mm -hmm. The other side of that is to say, I have no idea what's going to happen. I no way I can control the markets, but I have confidence in myself that whatever information comes in, that I can handle it and make decisions. So Mm -hmm. if we lack that internal confidence, well, then we're looking for external confidence, for an event to behave itself to give us the confidence. And when we do that, then, oh my gosh, when the events don't turn out the way we want, then we say, oh, I'm, I'm such a idiot. Oh, what did I do? I'm not worthy. We go through all these things because we beat ourselves up. But if we know that we can't control the environment. We can't know what it is. Then we can look at a new source of confidence. I like that. I like that. That makes a lot of sense that 
you can still be confident in yourself without knowing the outcomes. Indeed. Mm-hmm. So how do we get that confidence in ourselves? And I have something called the uh, confidence circle. Mm-hmm. And it starts out with brand new traders, uh, the engineers in particular, sometimes doctors, lawyers, people who are able to impact the world with their very presence. And because they can impact the world with their presence, they come to the marketplace and feel that they can impact the world or they can Mm -hmm. impact the market. So they're all cocky confidence. And then it turns out that they lose some trades. Oh my gosh, I need a system. Then they work very hard to be confident in a system. And they develop a system. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And then they realize, well, it's the systems are going to fail in certain markets. So I need to be confident in looking at the market, what type it is, and applying the right strategy. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So once we get that, we're able to apply a strategy to a certain type of market, and that makes us much more effective. But that's a real challenge to do. And ultimately, we say, give me the market as it is, and I can handle it. I can figure it out. I can uh, behave in a way that uh, gives me the results that I want. And that's the final stage of trader confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what, uh, I think that was what last month's discussion was all about, right? It was. So now the question is, we ask what stops us? And this is how the brain works. We have uh, inherited a brain from our distant ancestors on the savannas of Africa. And we are prepped for fight, flight. We are, our brains deliver us a tremendous amount of pain when we have a loss. We, we didn't get the deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, didn't defend the tribe from a neighboring tribe. So our brains, evolutionarily speaking, are programmed to give us a lot of loss so that we avoid the loss. However, <laughs> in trading, <laughs> yep. that kind of doesn't work so well. So uh, if once we understand that, then we can understand our neurology. And the neurology, in fact, they've done a a couple of studies and uh, and they put people in two groups. One, they explained how their neurons fire, how to create new behaviors, Mm -hmm. what uh, brain chemicals do. And the other group, they uh, just gave them some neutral information and then had them do a new chore. Mm -hmm. Those who understood how the brain works did far better than those that didn't. So as traders, we have a real opportunity. If we survive, if we understand our survival mechanisms, if we understand the hole in our heart and our dreams. So the hole in the heart is an empty place that we're trying to fill with trading. I'll be financially independent. My father, my spouse will appreciate me. I'll have more status in the community. I can buy a fancy car, buy a fancy house. I can take care of my 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 family. Mm-hmm. A client this morning, that's his drive was to take care of his fa- family financially, and that was so important to him. Every time there was a tick against him, it said, "You're inadequate man who cannot take care of his family." Yep. So the pressure to trade and overtrade and to miss it's oh it just so as soon as he realized that it's like. 
he just lit up and said, wow, what if that pressure was removed? So we have these patterns. We have these patterns from a long time ago. And we have these beliefs from a long time ago. So if we have a repeated behavior that doesn't serve us, the question then becomes, how do we make the change? Mm -hmm. So Kyle, if you look at your life and your trading and maybe other and other areas too, what have you noticed about times that it's been difficult to change a behavior and times that you've just made the decision and changed the behavior? Oh, that's a tough one. Oh okay. man, I'm not. I think one of the things is first of all being aware of what the actual, the underlying mm-hmm. root of the issue is. I think without understanding that, then I never, then anything that I do is never addressing the root cause and therefore never actually fixing anything. Yes. Uh, but sometimes it's hard to open yourself up or really take that real look at yourself, and because it's sometimes it's scary thinking about what you're going to find in there. It is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those we have quarantined beliefs that are driving those behaviors. So if you have a repeated trading behavior and you can obviously see it's not making money and you do it again, mm-hmm. then what we're looking at is a deeper driver. And what you brought up just now was so important because sometimes those deeper drivers are what I call quarantined. We just don't deal with them. You know, for example, a trader who would get into a trade and just become terribly upset if it was going against him, and he would literally just walk away from the computer with no stops, and just no. and just uh, he was so uh, stressed. So we worked back. What was that like? And we worked physiologically. What is mm-hmm. what's your breathing like? What are your muscles like? And so we went into it and we exaggerated. And I says, how old are you? He says, five. What was going on with Bob when he was five? I was hiding under my bed when my dad came home drunk. And I didn't know if he was going to just scream at me or beat me. And I was hiding. So when you're under stress, when there's an unknown, your deepest reaction is to go and hide. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And how's that working? Not very well. Nope. So let's look at the positive intent. When you were five, the positive intent was your safety. Is that right? Yes. Now that you're 45 years old and you're a computer engineer and you have a successful business, how is that helpful to you? Oh, it's not helpful to me. So what we then do is say, okay, let we go through some healing process with the trauma of being five and bring it up. And then we come to the place, how can we serve you better? What behaviors serve you better with that positive intent of saving you? Mm -hmm. Well, if I want to save myself now, what I do is I follow the system and I put in my stops. Excellent. So what we have now, if we've ground down to the same positive intent of that little boy and We've now created a new behavior that's more appropriate for a 45-year-old man. Yeah. So if we so, are going... Go ahead. So, so uh, well, the getting up and walking away from the computer like spares you in the moment. It protects you in the moment, but it doesn't actually it does. protect you. It does. And you're and absolutely those, right. Yeah. We're repeating something that in that moment feels like the only choice we have. Yes. 
So what you brought up earlier was awareness. Uh, mm-hmm. That is so important. And we have the golden keys. I believe we've talked about them before. Yep. Awareness. And then if we uh, judge what we find out, you idiot. <laughs> okay, we're not going to be aware anymore if you're going to call us an idiot. Exactly. I'm not going to find any more of these. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So if we go into acceptance, so awareness and then acceptance. And once we accept what we discover, then we can say, okay, what do I want now as a higher level agent? So it's awareness, acceptance, and agency. And next we can envision a new future for ourselves. And this is, if we're going to change persistent trading behaviors, we can, we can create a new context from which those behaviors aren't even available. Hmm. So for example, if uh, I'm really hungry, I've had a little bit of a frustrating day and my wife is baking a pizza just the way I like it, calls me down for dinner, and I'm in a place where I'm feeling out of control or needy or not enough nourishment physiologically, emotionally, and I get to that pizza, I am in a context where I no longer have a choice of how much I'm going to eat. I mean, it's not even friggin' available Ah, to me. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So in that context, if I say, discipline yourself, Richard, just have two pieces. Uh, Okay, just one more. So if we are in a different context where I say, Rich Friesen, I am physiologically powerful, I can control myself, and it feels so much better not to be bloated. Wow. I step into that context. The pizza isn't even of interest. So if we overtrade, if we have all those behaviors, if we uh, have fear of missing out, if we revenge trade, like you mentioned, uh, in those contexts, in those emotional contexts, it, it feels like we don't have a choice. So one of the things we do is we step into the master trader's mindset. What is that? I'll ask the client. What would it be like to step into a master trader's mindset? Now go, huh? <laughs> What's a master trader's mindset? So our brain will not take us to a place that it doesn't know is safe. Even a better place. (laughs) Our safety mechanisms are black and white. Okay, it's a different place. We don't know the safe. Unknowns, yeah. Unknowns are unsafe. Yes. I have examples from my life where I deliberately chose a worse uh, choice uh, because that was what I was familiar with, my behaviors, my survival mechanisms from childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, trading uh, is very careful. Back of the pit. Don't engage. Don't be aggressive. Try to be a nice guy. Get people to like you by being nice. Mm-hmm. And that's how I first got to the floor. And I and I know we've talked about my uh, waking up with that voice in the middle of the night that changed everything. I, I love got that to story. the floor. Yeah. yeah. And I just went totally aggressive. Well, that's, I stepped into a different context. So until our brain can visualize, imagine, touch, feel, taste, smell, grasp that trader's mindset, our brain won't let us go there. So a lot of what we do is programming the master trader's mindset. And 
one of the things I do, in fact, we even have a guided visualization that does this. Mm-hmm. And we, I take them through, I ask them to build a master trader's house. Where is it? Sometimes it's in a valley, sometimes in mountains, by a lake, by the ocean. Windows, doors, I have them describe the colors, how many rooms. And there is a trading room there. And I have them slowly approach the house. And I'll ask them stuff. Do you deserve to step into the master trader's house? And it's really sad, but a majority will say, no, I don't deserve to be there. I'm too frightened to be there. Oh, no, other people are there, but uh, I don't deserve that. So we approach the door, we get closer, we put the hand on the knob, and we look at all the resistances to stepping into it. Then we step into it, we describe it, we walk to the trading room, we put our hand on the door, we open it up, and every step of the way, we listen to those internal voices that are objecting until we can fully own it. Mm-hmm. What is that like now to be a master trader in a master trader's home? Wow, this feels so good. Now that Rich. we've done it, what? Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, I just wanted to reference back to one of the earlier interviews when we first met you. I think you walked me through a similar exercise at that. And mm. I remember how good that felt in that moment, just going through that guided meditation. And mm-hmm. recently, within the last month or so, I actually experienced that while trading. And uh. that feeling was amazing to be completely disconnected from the results and then just reacting to what the market is showing me. Oh man. But as you as you just started to in this uh describing what your clients experience when they go through this with you, like I just had a twinge of that in my head that popped in. Like mm. when you asked if they deserve to be there, I thought mm-hmm. in my head I just heard no. Yeah, there's still that voice there. There is. So that's something that we can we can delve into further. Well persist I, go ahead. I said I think I had the realization of what that was, and the voice is telling me that you haven't put in the work, you haven't earned this yet, I think is uh, what I'm hearing. Yes. And then now oh, when yes. I think and reflect on that, my thought is what's stopping me from putting in the work then? Or is it work that is tied to success? When we grew up, some of us grew up in a family where Work was valued because, uh, you know, my parents grew up in the Depression. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of Depression era fears and that you just had to work hard for everything. You don't deserve it unless you work hard. Mm, And one of the things I work with some clients is to free them. What if you were to work two hours a day, it was joyful and easy, and you were to make all the money you needed? And they'll say, no, I couldn't do that. Really? <laughs> yeah. No, I think I could. Oh, no, because you've got to work hard. You've got to put in the work, the hours. You've got to feel the pain to get the reward. Well, to me, it was the difference is deserve versus earned, I think. Mm-hmm. Do I deserve it? I think I could deserve it, but have I earned it yet? And I don't feel like I've earned it yet. Like that's what the thought if, in my okay. head right now. Okay. So, Kyle. Are you prepared for a blessing? Oh, yes. From, from Father Trader, with all the powers invested in me by Father Trader, I take out my magic wand, I tap it on your head, and you've earned it, and you deserve it. Uh, there is nothing 
you need to do further. Now we fully understand that trading is one of the most challenging careers you can take. Mm -hmm. So there's always continual, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, uh, it's Invitation to continually progress your skills, your abilities, your emotional states. There's, and it'll never end. Mm -hmm. But that invitation has nothing to do with work or deserve. You right now, Kyle, I've changed your life forever. You now deserve it. You now are fully there. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. It's all there. Hmm. Does that have a place to land? It does. It almost feels like a weight lifted off of me. Yeah. Imagine trading without that weight that you don't deserve it and you have to earn it. Rich, can I ask you for a small favor? Mm -hmm. I know you've given me that gift, but could you just one more time for the listeners who are listening along? Could you could you use that wand on them too? Oh, do they? Well, I, <laughs> I was say, well, do they deserve it? <laughs> They're listening yes, to us. They I think they do. <laughs> okay. So wherever you are in your path of trading, you've just started two weeks ago. You've been doing it for five years and maybe even blown out a couple of, of accounts. You're doing it in a prop firm because you don't have much money. It's apps. I'm, I'm going to take my wand and say, you deserve trading success. There's no more need to punish yourself, to work hard, to earn it, to have all that baggage. Now, as I told Kyle, there, trading is one of the most challenging careers you can do. And my invitation is to continually improve your knowledge, your skills, your behaviors, your beliefs, and even your core identity around deserving and having a right to have wealth and meaning and success. So I'm not divorcing it from all the things and invitation to improve yourself, but I am divorcing you completely and totally right now with this wand. I'm going to tap it on every head that's listening to me to say you no longer need to work or deserve in order to be successful. I'll go ahead and edit out the next 45 minutes of silence while you tap that one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, S-P-U-L-L-E-N at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Rich, that, uh, uh, like you had your own moment of that too, right? When you, oh, you sure. referenced your story of, like, 
was that the switch that flipped in you when you went and you took that prime spot and you you completely changed your identity and you became the aggressive trader? Yeah, it certainly made a big difference. And I still have some of that same process within me around my book and success. My wife, in fact, had this discussion last night. Rich, are you really out and have you decided to be successful as an author and a speaker? Mm -hmm. And just like your response, there was that twinge. I noticed it. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I found that fascinating. So this is the second part of it, not only just awareness, but acceptance. In other words, do I judge myself for that? No, I've found it, right. that question to be interesting. Was I defensive with her? No, I didn't need to be defensive because, oh, it's a discovery. That's being human. Mm -hmm. That's the, yeah. That sounds like the exact conversation I had with my wife when I made my discovery today. Yeah, <laughs> well, good. <laughs> I'll tell you. Wives are such a connection to reality, right. and they ask such the hard questions. <laughs> Why did you and, do that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> well, sometimes I like to say, "Would you like?" I'm going to invite you to improve your communications to me on a more positive uh, invitation, as versus uh, that scowl and that higher voice uh, criticism. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so far that hasn't worked. Oh, no, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys. Okay. So. So you've lifted the burden off of us. Yeah. Yeah, we have. We've lifted the burden. And now without that burden, we can start to build our knowledge, skills, behaviors, beliefs, and even improve our identity. Hmm. So if we have persistent behaviors, you know, what do we do? And what we do in the mind metrics is we list them all. Mm -hmm. So for example, uh, this morning, a client, let me bring one up, uh, fear of missing out. So, okay, that's a behavior. And what happens? Oh, I chase trades. I, or I beat myself out if I miss a trade. Okay. So what would happen if you missed out on trades? And we went down three or four levels. I won't take you down all, but it finally was to take care of my family. I won't be able to take care of my family. Mm -hmm. Okay, so your goal at the deepest level is to take care of your family. Is that right? Yes. Okay, taking care of your family by following your trading strategy or making impulsive trades. Which do you think will work better? Duh, he yeah. says. <laughs> <laughs> so... To a persistent trading mistake. And this is a challenge to do because as a therapist, I have no fear in asking the question over and over and over again, digging, digging, digging. And it's much difficult, as you mentioned earlier, about um, you know doing this yourself, mm -hmm. especially the, the pieces that have been quarantined. So it really helps if there's somebody who is can confidently invite you to, to step into those worlds. But you can do this for yourself. Uh, you can push yourself a bit and say, oh, what of value does this bring me? Mm -hmm. What is my hopes? What is my emotional need for this behavior? And then once you get down to the positive intent without judging, say, this has a positive intent, then we can say, oh, what behaviors actually will fulfill this positive intent. Mm -hmm. And then we, with our mind metrics, we can actually measure on a daily basis that particular uh, driver, that 
behavior and we can create the new behavior that serves us better and we can actually measure it. And once we measure it and can see it in a graphic colored format, oh my gosh, then we, it's like, like a contest or, or, or like uh, my wife introduced me to this Wordle type game where oh, you yeah, yeah. have to guess the letters. And uh, one of them, what they do is they tell me where I rank, you know, uh, mm-hmm. 10,000, 5,000, 1,000, 500. Right. Oh my gosh. You know, so if, if we have something we can measure and, we're, and our goal is to turn these squares green, we really have, we have not only isolated the deepest emotional level, but now we can measure the results on the behavioral level. Mm-hmm. Like, can you explain that a little bit more? Sure. I, since this is uh, just audio, I can't give an example of it. But if you go to uh, conversations.money slash two bulls, and it's a number two bulls, no space. Uh, there's, there's an example, I think, of our uh, mind metrics. Uh, there should be mine on there, too, that they can see. Oh, that's right. There yeah. is a link to yours. Yep. And you can see actual Kyle's improvements. It's truly amazing to see. So go there. That's right. There's a link to Kyle's mind metrics. You can go there and you can see the original behaviors. You can see his positive intent. You can see the new behaviors that express the positive intent. And then you can actually see the progress. So to, to give a kind of a summary So we have behaviors that don't serve us. We repeat them over and over again. We say we're not going to, but when we step into that context, it doesn't feel like we have a pizza choice. Right. (laughs) And we wonder what's going on. But once we identify the positive intent of those behaviors, and we then can say what are the positive intent, yes, of the behaviors, we can then say then what behaviors serve that positive intent better we can actually graphically measure them. And we now have not only the means, we have the motivation and we have the metrics that give us uh, the continued success uh, so that uh, we can be rewarded for the changes we're making. Yeah. And being able to see it graphically, uh, it's it's such a silly thing, but yeah, the shame you feel when you have to put a red box in. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle, when you, you missed the point. I know, I it's know. Not, it's not shame. I know. <laughs> you feel it. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah. You, there's this disappointment. Yes, um, that's the better word. And and then we can say, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I feel disappointed. Uh, that's interesting what made that red square there. Hmm. Because if you realize that you're going to have red squares at times for the rest of your trading life, no matter how successful. I mean, I look at really successful traders and occasionally they go on tilt. Yep. Uh, and that's another conversation, being prepared for success. Because mm. no trader has ever come to me and say, Rich, I want to work on my mindset when I'm successful. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> that's no, successful, that's not a problem. <laughs> uh, the other thing that uh, kind of struck me as we were discussing this and, and talking about identifying uh, the, the problem, or the pizza choice, I'm sorry, that's, Mm-hmm. The point. I think what you've just proven to me or the the realization I just had is my positive intent of ignoring problems and hoping they just resolve on their own is to save me from having to deal with something or to, to, to the, ultimately somebody else fixing the problem. Yeah. But a lot of the times 
when you ignore them, then they get much, much, much worse. Oh, indeed. So it's a lot less effort to, like you said, uh, uh, to go grab the trash can when you notice it, to fix that little squeaky door now mm-hmm. while you have time when you see it, to empty the cat box uh, when, I, when I notice it first thing in yep. the morning, as opposed yep. to waiting another week and then having to still do the same job. But now I got to change out the entire thing. It's twice as much work because right. I let it sit. Right. Well, what you're bringing up in terms of trading, Mm -hmm. if we notice these little things right away, they're much easier to correct rather than I'm going to cancel my stops and walk away from the computer. Right. (laughs) I had a rougher day today, but I recognized that my emotions were dictating my trading and I stopped. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And I stopped well before I would have blown out an account again. Oh, Kyle, do you, may I give you an appreciation? Yes. I would love an appreciation. Do you realize how powerful that is? What a change that is? You have developed a higher level of agency in the ability to do that. Mm. So uh, give I give you my appreciation and acknowledgement. I receive that with joy. <laughs> Excellent. Ah, all right. Should we, should we continue on? Yeah. What... Uh, I've pretty well wound up the content mm-hmm. other than, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, pretty well the content for persistent trading mistakes. Uh, we can give some more examples or uh, where, wherever you want to go, or we can look at things that the traders that you know come with, maybe some specific things, or we can wind it up. I'm good for wherever you want to go. I mentioned earlier the uh, the having a bias and not being able to shake that and continually trying to keep trying Mm -hmm. the same idea, even Ah. though it's not working. I think a Mm -hmm. lot of people struggle with that too. Yes. Uh, I'd like to explore that one a little bit if we have, we have time. Oh man, that's a really important one. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It brings me (laughs) to politics and the news. (laughs) I listen to news across the spectrum. Oh yeah. Uh, I agree with Scott Adams, the Dilbert cartoonist, that uh, the news uh, creates our belief systems. Uh, And our biases are so powerful Hmm. because it is so much easier to know what is going on and to be confident in it than it is to say, hmm, I don't know, and that's okay. So Hmm. if we have a bias that's almost for the most part, is going to hurt us because it filters the information we see. We look at different time frames. We reinterpret different price movements uh, in order to fit the bias. So how do we let go of bias? Well, the hard. let me give you the hard way first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Lose a lot of when money my, trying to trade it. <laughs> yeah. when, when my grandkids and I are going for a hike, there's two ways to get up the hill. There's the hard way and the easy way. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, kids, you want to take the hard way or the easy way? And they'll always say the hard way. <laughs> so, hmm. so we climb up this rocky face rather than going up the trail around it. So the hard way is a book called The Book of Not Knowing by Peter Walston. Mm-hmm. It's a slug because it asks you to divorce yourself from all the comfortable ways that you know things for sure. And it attacks it from many different angles. Hmm. Oh my gosh. 
you know, uh, my example of knowing is I grew up a Christian evangelical. My father was a preacher. Mm -hmm. And I knew for certain that everyone except evangelicals were going to hell and burn in hell forever. Oh, Mm. wow. (laughs) I couldn't date girls that weren't evangelical because who who wants to date a girl that's going to burn in hell, you know? (laughs) Ah, that that has to affect all your relationships. Yeah. So, you know, as I look back on that uh, from my current point of view, Mm -hmm. but then I moved to other beliefs. And I won't go through them all because it's really embarrassing. But I use the same religious process to move from belief to belief to belief. And so now I look back and say, do I really want to replace a belief with different content, but the same process? Or do I want to change my process around believing? And to do that, I have to say, I, Rich Friesen, standing on this earth, am okay with not knowing. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh my God, does that open up a world for me? All of a sudden, information, belief systems, solutions, I mean, creativity just come pouring in. It's just amazing how much I filtered of my world that was helpful to me. So as a trader, I have, we have, okay, so so when I ran a trading firm on the floor, a trader would come to me and he says, I believe this market's going to go a lot higher today, so let's uh, let's uh, be biased long. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, what probability do you give that? Huh? Is it eighty percent, hundred percent? Oh, it's a seventy percent probability. Great. So there's a thirty percent probability that it's not going to go strongly higher today. Is that right? Yeah. Great. So we have a higher probability. So how much uh, do you want to bet on that 70-30 bias? Oh, not very much. We'll do a little bit of this and see how it goes, and then I'll reassess it. Ah, Excellent. That's an excellent way of thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So immediately that opens him up to thinking about risk, reward, and other factors. Right. So It it makes him open to the contrary. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. When somebody gives me an argument, uh, we'll go real political here about global warming <laughs> and how we're all doomed. I'll say, oh boy, thank you for that. And I'll ask some questions about it. And I'll say, okay, now what's the argument on the other side? And I'll get this most incredible blank look. Right. Well, what's the argument on the other side? If you don't know the argument on the other side, that means that you live in a bubble. And again, you're closing yourself off to all sorts of information, creativity, and solutions. Mm -hmm. So as a trader, you know, say, okay, I have a bias to the upside, or I think this market's going to be uh, trend or flat, and we're going to do support resistance. We're going to, you know, buy the dips, sell the the rallies, and we're going to look at uh, support resistance lines. So if you believe that for positive, if it breaks uh, support, you're going to say, oh, they're just running the stops. I'm going to double up here. But if you gave it a probability, say, oh, I'm, there's a 60%, 70% probability and we'll reevaluate. Okay, it broke support. With what volume? Uh, who's playing it? Mm-hmm. What uh, news come in? You know, So you, all of a sudden now you're open to the other side 
of the uh, probability. So right. uh, again, so your bias when you come in, you say, okay, I have this bias. How confident am I? What probability do I give it? At what point do I recess, reassess? In fact, what information specifically would cause me to reassess this bias? Uh, and to know that ahead of time. Yes. I'm um, writing that down. Yeah. And oh boy, I could go all sorts of places here <laughs> in terms of how we run our lives and the, the big decisions we make. Uh, what if we weren't so biased and we were looking for it? You're familiar with poker tells. Yeah. What if we were looking for those tells that were contrary to what our bias was? Mm -hmm. And we laid those out. Okay, this is my bias. I believe the economy is going to do such and such. I'm going to invest in such and such. I'm going to get hired by this company or start this business. What are the tells that would tell me I'm wrong? Yeah. Well, in one month, this would be a little tell. Okay, a little tell, but we don't know. Another tell, another tell. List those tells all out. And at what point then at each tell do you reevaluate your bias? And if you do that ahead of time, all of a sudden your brain is going to be open to it. Mm -hmm. If, on the other hand, you don't do that, then now you're defending your ego. Yes. And then yes. it just goes down this friggin' uh, rabbit hole of, of defensiveness. Yeah. The, the, if, I'm, <laughs> if the market keeps going up, then I'm wrong and I can't be wrong. Well, Kyle, you cannot be wrong. I mean, right. imagine if you were wrong. What would that say about you? Your dreams, your hopes for the future. Right. What would your spouse think about that? What are your future, your kids and your grandkids who knew you were wrong? Oh my God, your dream's <laughs> going to collapse. The world is going to be terrible. You can't be wrong. So let's double up. <laughs> right. But you know what? Like, isn't that the first tenet of Buddhism? Like the, the path, the first step to enlightenment is the knowing that you know nothing or something along yeah. those lines. Yeah. 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 Now that doesn't mean we're not going to have measure outcomes or that doesn't mean we're going to have biases. In fact, one of the models that I'm working on now for a book called Healing the Political Divide mm -hmm. is to recognize our emotional biases. For example, emotionally, I'm more of a libertarian. I want you to live your life however you want to live it. I don't want to interfere with you. You know, just don't interfere with me. Yeah. And we're going to do really, really fine. And we'll have uh, mutually satisfying decisions and negotiations and agreements between us. Mm -hmm. Now, that's my, for a long time then, I went very political on it. And that was truth and everyone else was wrong. But as soon as I said, well, Rich, that's your emotional bias. And then I thought, well, what's the conservative emotional bias? Or what's the uh, li liberal emotional bias? At what point are those biases valuable? So I started to map out the value of the other positions. Oh my gosh, did I get an eyeful of when and where each one of those was valuable. So if, if we're a trader and we got a strategy or two or three strategies, and we can say, well, we really, you know, I have an emotional, like, for example, I really do have an e emotional connection to uh, contrarian, mm -hmm. con being a contrarian, yep. buying the dips and selling yep. the offers, which is great as a market maker on a floor, but as a, in my retirement account, that's not a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> so, if I have an emotional bias, what is it? What are the other emotional biases? And what will I learn if I just say this is an emotional bias and other biases are appropriate in different contexts? 
the eyes open, the scales fall off, and you can see an amazing amount of stuff if you make the argument for other biases. And just opening yourself up and realizing that just because there's another side or another belief that doesn't invalidate yours. And in fact, you may find if you're open to listening to other people's belief systems that you may find that there's things in there that you'd like to take or that you agree with. Oh man, that is so true. Yeah. And the thing is you can hold multiple, this is really a, um, you know, if you, if you can hold multiple viewpoints in your head Mm -hmm. at the same time, and I believe what happens is in each context, you then can draw out a bias or belief or an emotional belief that's appropriate for that context. And when the context shifts, you can then step back and you have the ability then to step in with different behaviors and different beliefs. And one of the things we talk about at Mind Muscles is uh, market moods. There's a lot of different contexts. If we're not married to a strategy, then we can look and at different market moods, you know, mm-hmm. quiet trending markets, volatile markets, uh, flat markets. And we can then say, well, okay, what strategy is appropriate? Because I can hold several strategies in my head at the same time. If I can hold several beliefs in my head at the same time. And that's part of the book of not knowing. And it's part, I believe, of being able to see so much more and be so much more creative. I am so glad we just had this little... Uh... <laughs> The uh, I, I guess detour back into to mm-hmm. the topics of episode two because that was actually I think one of the things that I was struggling with trying to identify the market moods is I think it was giving me a bias but I had no mechanism to ever reassess it mm. or to think about like it never occurred to me to think like okay well how am I going to define when I'm wrong mm-hmm. what things are going to tell me that I need to reassess mm-hmm. and having that plan I think just opens up a whole new world of possibilities for me. Great. And I'm really excited to, to tackle those again. The only thing I would watch is language when I'm wrong. When Sorry, when the market... Yeah, when, when, when my model is invalidated. Yes, that's a better word. Yeah. Yeah, when, when, I, when what I expect doesn't come to fruition. Is that a, yes. is that a way of saying yes. it? <laughs> right. Or if I've got a 70-30 bias, okay, this time the 30 happened. Yeah. So what do we do when the 30 happens? How do we recognize when the 30 is happening? Mm-hmm. Yes. And even going further then... How do we evaluate our 70-30, 80-20, 60-40? And you can literally just write that down in a spreadsheet. Yeah. And you can start to see uh, how accurate your estimates of your bias is. Yes, I agree with that 100%. Man, okay, what's next? What is next is to relieve all the pressure of all your dreams, hopes, and desires and putting all that pressure on your trading, having to be right, dropping into contexts of a fear where you react and your biases just take over or your uh, all the trading errors that we listed today take over. What a relief hmm. to step into a world where you don't have to know, where you can assign probabilities, where you can look at your behaviors and measure them with curiosity and acceptance. Oh my gosh, to take all that pressure of the hopes and dreams off of every trade. What a relief that is to be able to trade freely, be curious, and learn. Rich, I think the way you just phrased that, I don't want to know anything anymore. 
<laughs> because I'm afraid but, of what I'll miss out if I do know something. Mm-hmm. Oh, it feels so much better. Yeah. So what you did, the what is really a great example for everybody, and I'd like everybody to pay attention to it. Kyle just stepped into a world that he imagined that feels better. Mm. That then is an invitation, a key to making permanent change. If we can just experience that for a moment, like Kyle just did, we can expand it for an hour, a day, a week, a month, and the rest of our lives. That's very well said. Uh, Rich, do you have some, some homework that we should be working on during the next month before we, uh, we, we meet up again for episode four? Sure. Is to, okay, I'll just make this up on the spot. <laughs> Is when you make, let's say, a FOMO trade, a fear of missing out, write it down, FOMO, and the results. So what we're doing is we're turning all of our persistent trading mistakes into an official strategy. So every persistent trading mistake is now a uh, a strategy. Uh, We overtrade because we don't want to miss out. And so it's overtrading is a strategy. How did it work out? Put down the numbers. So what we can see, or we followed my strategy completely to the letter. I, you know, entered correctly. I put my stop in. I exited according to the strategy. Then write that strategy down and measure the results. So we have the results of a well-thought-out strategy, and we also have the results of all our persistent trading mistakes broken down and defined each one. That can be like a friggin' brick on the forehead. Mm -hmm. You look at those numbers and you go, oh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What about, uh, uh, should we be diving into the, the other topics that we talked about today, like generalizing their positive intent? of the the emotional mistakes that we make or not mistakes sure. but the emotional tendencies that we have that don't serve us sure yeah you you can do that on your own we do have a market or a mind metrics application that really helps you do it and see all that and if they go to conversations.money slash two bulls uh, number two bulls uh there is a Gosh, like we're giving two thirds off uh, the application for your listeners, and you can then uh, have a really well thought out application to not only list your uh, prior behaviors, the positive intent, and a better behavior for filling the positive intent, and then you can measure it as you go. I love it. Uh, so generalize the positive intent of behaviors that do not serve our trading uh, when we're making any emotional based trades. Then make sure that we write them down and keep track of the results, just like we do with any of our other setups. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, was there something else in there I missed? I was typing while you were talking. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, I, well, that's, I mean, if you can do that, that's a great start. Oh, all right. And just, yeah, just if you write down the PL of your persistent trading mistakes when you make them, by the specific, be as specific as possible, that awareness alone can make a big difference. I'm going to put another note in there. Generate awareness, but not judgment. Yes. Thank you for adding that. All right. That sounds like we've got a plan. Oh, I'd like to thank all the listeners who followed us on today's journey. And I'd like to give Rich an appreciation of his own for all the work that he's done to help make this series possible. Uh, Unfortunately, we only have so much time to be able to spend with Rich. And it looks like that time is coming to an end. 
I would love to encourage everybody to follow along with the series at conversations.money slash two bulls. And if you have not gotten a copy of Rich's book yet, Private Conversations with Money, there is still time. And not only is there time, but there's also an audio version that should be coming out within the next month or so. Mm-hmm. Um, not only is it a fascinating dive in the psychology of a relationship with money, but it's also just a great story. And we'll have all those links in the episode description. Rich, is there anything that you'd like to leave the listeners with before we sign off? Yeah, I just so love to see people break out of their old behaviors and persistent trading mistakes. It's such a joy so that if anybody has, if this has been helpful to anybody, let me know. I would just love to hear from you. Oh, uh, do we have an email we can we can uh, link for that? Sure. Rich, rich at mindmuscles.com. M-U-S-C-L-E-S. Yeah. .com. Okay. I'll make sure that's in the episode description too so people can find that. But looks like there's nothing left to do but uh, say goodbye for now. We'll definitely be back soon with another exciting episode. But until then, bye everybody and goodbye, Rich. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.